Also, Tim, can you talk just for a second? I want to see, yep. make sure. Check, check. How are you guys? Okay, cool. Looks good. Good. All right. All right. Hello and welcome to podcast. Uh, podcast. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> it's late. <laughs> Welcome to Peach Pod. I'm your host, Luke Boggs, and we have a full house tonight. I am joined by not only Kyle Hayes, but also Tim Denson, who is running for county commission in Athens-Clark County for District 5. How are you doing, Tim? Doing great. Glad to be here. Yes. And how are you, Kyle? I'm doing all right. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Sure, sure. Yeah, so we just kind of wanted to uh, catch up with you because we, we've talking, we, all of us have spoken offline so many times that it seemed inappropriate that we hadn't had you on <laughs> yet. And, uh, you know, we, we've kind of been in the same circles for way too long. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, we just wanted to uh, catch up with you about all things old and all things new. So yeah. uh, starting out, um, what made you want to run for county commission? And the reason I, I framed that question mm-hmm. that way and I asked that first is like, You've been pretty busy since you ran for mayor, and you, you know you've had sure. Athens for Everyone being a big thing. You've mm-hmm. been on a lot of uh, committees in the Athens Clark County government, and so mm-hmm. why is this the thing you're doing when there's, you know, honestly a lot of options for you? Sure. Uh, so I think the big thing is like through Athens for Everyone and through the I'd say general progressive movement in Athens. You know, we've we've gotten some things done that we really wanted to address uh, when it comes to public transit, when it comes to even to like living wages, some, especially with county workers. But there was definitely a few issues that seemed too big for us to get done without somebody on the inside. Uh, possibly like, you know, decent, affordable housing being one of the big ones that stands out. There wasn't much happening there. We kind of hit a wall when we were trying to create uh, civil rights legislation and civil rights committee here. And I think part of that wall was definitely just the way that our mayor and commission operate and the strategy and the tactics that they use so it's uh i think it was time for a change and i really felt like i had gathered the experience and uh the ability to really i think serve as a commissioner well and to take on some of those bigger issues that we've had a problem with and not just by myself but this is with you know a large progressive movement with a lot of progressive candidates uh you know running all at the same time here so we're talking about you know when I win, I won't say if I win, but when I win, uh, and a lot of the other progressives who are running now, we're looking at a very different county commission in athens Clark County next year, and one that I think is going to be willing to take on those bigger problems like the lack of affordable housing, the fact that we have a 38% poverty rate and that needs to be prioritized when we're creating policy, um, civil rights legislation. I think those things are going to be things that this new commission will be eager to take on while... The commission we have now has, uh, I'd say, usually dragged their feet and have been a little bit concerned about moving forward on those issues. And what do you think it is about the current commission that has had them drag their feet? You know, because I've talked to a couple people about this already, mm-hmm. and everyone tends to talk about the same things. They talk about the problems with the leadership in general, and they talk about our uh, love of having committees, studying committees, about if we should have a committee, about a study, about a study. So, you know, like, what? so, like, where, what, where do you put your finger on the issue, and why, right. from what you sound like, you think a lot of the problems can dissipate just by changing who's there? I think that at least the, the willingness to take these things on will change right. um, I mean, these are very complex problems. There's systemic problems. We're going to have to address many different smaller issues before we can take on those bigger issues. But 
it's that willingness. And so, yeah, I think you hit a couple of those things. Uh, definitely our willingness to pay consultants to come in and create studies that just gather dust on the shelves afterwards. Uh, I would definitely say a lack of leadership. But I would say even the people who consider themselves progressives who are on the commission right now, um, in my personal opinion, have incorrect priorities. Um, I mean, when you walk into the city and somebody move, new moves here and I tell them, yeah, one of the things we have a problem with is we have a 38% poverty. 38% over a one out of three people is in poverty here. That blows people's mind. People can't believe it. They're shocked. I, why, are, why is our present kind of commission not shocked and operating every day in that shock disbelief and trying to do something about it? Like it should be the number one priority and it's not. And we bring up other issues like racial inequality. Again, like something I've gone to almost every single mayor commission meeting over the last four or five years. The willingness for them to talk about speed bumps or the heights of garages, they are very willing to talk about those things. <laughs> and they will talk about them for hours. You bring up racial injustice, they want to move on as quickly as possible. And uh, that we can't have a county commission in this, this town, in the south down here, that has those kind of priorities and mindset. Yeah, and since I have not, and I imagine many of our other listeners have not gone to Athens Court County sure, Commission meetings yeah. for four years, is it that they don't want to acknowledge the problem, or is it a they are sympathetic to the problem, but they're like, we don't understand how to solve it, but I understand how to make a garage smaller or bigger. Like, what you know, where where is the holdup coming mm-hmm. from? It's probably a, a, a mix along the ten commissioners, and we have a pretty large commission. But in general, I think something that is consistent is a lot of them are uncomfortable with it. As a lot of people in society are uncomfortable dealing with these things. Um, they're hard issues. But again, like that's what you signed up for. When you put your name on that ballot, like that's what you signed up for. And so I don't think that's an option just to say, like, I'm uncomfortable, it's too complex. Like that is not an option. Like you were you signed up for this job, you were elected to take on these problems, these really complex problems. If they were easy problems to solve, hell anybody would do it. But they're not. Like you you signed up for this. And uh you know, I'm, I'm concerned that we just right now, it, it's a, it's a, it's a willingness to step out of themselves. It's a willingness to spend that political capital, um, and I think it's a. I, and also, I would also say that I think some of the wrong tactics have been used, even addressing these things. That I feel like um, they have people, our commissioners, our local government in general hasn't been working with the communities, especially the communities who are affected by these issues directly. Um, that's the background I come from. Is like organizing, like noticing who is really affected by an issue, going to those people, talking to them about these issues, trying to formulate solutions for those things and then moving forward that way. While I think our county government right now is much more comfortable hiring a consultant or a facilitator, going into a six month study period, releasing the results of that study and usually not actually taking much action. Yeah. And you kind of hit a place I think we should go now, which is sort of the creation myth of Tin Densing. So I know, Kyle, you had some thoughts on that. If you want to jump in here and kind of lead that part of the discussion. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious, Tim, I, I'm up here in DC. And so I, I get, uh, you know, part of my job is paying attention to national politics too. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of noticed this tension between what's known as kind of the left or like red rose Twitter and, and like the democratic socialist folks and sort of establishment or centrist Democrats. And I know that 
um, you kind of got your start in organizing, as you said. And so I'm curious to hear a little bit, both a little bit about your start and kind of how you got into that. And also, do you notice these same tensions in sort of your local organizing? Or is that sort of a national political narrative that, uh, you know, it doesn't really apply when you get down to the actual local level? I'll, I'll tackle that sec- second question first, because I feel like it's a little quicker to get through. So I've noticed that tension also, you know, obviously nationally, obviously in D.C. And I would say, for the most part, statewide in Georgia. I do feel like in Athens, we're a little better off. You know, I've heard about the struggles that have happened, uh, you know, with some of the Democratic committees and and Atlanta and Augusta and stuff like that. Um, Here in Athens, I really feel like we've found a way, the people on the further left, which I definitely include myself there, and some of the people who have been there a little longer, some of the more establishment uh, Democrats here in this community, I think we've found some common ground to work on. I think we've both uh, appreciated what we've brought, either in the past or what we could bring in the future, and have worked pretty well. Uh, Now, that's not like totally consistent. Uh, You know, I I definitely get frustrated with some of the people who consider themselves Democrats here uh, in, in Athens. Uh, and especially I think that, on the commission. <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially on the commission. Nonpartisan. That's what that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you hear that all the time. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we, for the most part, we've done pretty well, and that's been definitely a, a goal of mine. Uh, has been to you know try to find that common ground, get a solid relationship with those people, try to get things done, and then uh, I'll admit it, like try to pull them over to the left some. So you know, it's a it's a smart strategy that works. Um, now, pivoting back over to more of my history and how I got involved in things, it, it definitely is from the left. Uh, what brought me really into politics, at least up to the, and just civic engagement in general, was the Occupy movement. I mean, before that, I was just the guy who watched The Daily Show on my couch with Jon Stewart and got angry and yelled at my TV. Um, didn't do much past that in voting. And the Occupy movement really struck a chord with me with their use of creativity. I kind of think of myself as like a creative person. I was a musician and artist kind of before I got involved in politics. And the fact that I could merge that with the politics and ideology that really spoke to me, it was just this perfect mix. And I was actually online looking up airplane tickets to fly to New York so I could find my way to Zuccotti Park. Um, And while I was sitting at my computer, came across a Facebook event for somebody doing a one-day occupation downtown Athens at the Arch. They are calling it Occupy Athens. And so I was like, well, that's cheaper than you know, buying a round-trip ticket. So uh, I went down to the planning thing for that. The next morning, I went out and stood with my sign at the Arch. And that day and decision like completely changed my life. I ended up meeting just some amazing people uh, with backgrounds in politics and activism who became some of my best friends, who taught me a lot. We all kind of learned together. And um, that led to me just kind of getting involved in local government a bit, sleeping in tents on the sidewalk. That was not the funnest part. Uh, And then that just kind of, in a weird way, kind of almost on a dare, got me running for mayor in 2013. It definitely came out of like the Occupy movement with some of the people I worked with there. And we just kept on building upon it. And whenever I ran for mayor... The, the plan was not just to try to win that, that race, but to try to build a larger progressive movement in Northeast Georgia. And that kind of where we find ourselves now. 
could you talk a little bit about kind of the energy that was around like the Occupy movement and, and the left and sort of broadly in democratic politics at the time? And does it feel like that there's more energy now or that that energy is better matched up with like where partisan politics is? Because I know we've seen a lot of reports of, you know, a historic number of Democrats running for office and, mm. and lots of energy from the left. Um, has that energy always been there on the Occupy side? And now we're just kind of starting to notice. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Occupy is where, where the, the left movement is right now. And we talk about like, you know, um, Democratic Socialism and Democratic Socialism America and stuff like that, and even Bernie Sanders. I think all of that was built upon that movement in 2011 of Occupy Wall Street. Uh, a lot of the people who you know got involved in Bernie's campaign, who really started building uh, DSA, and a lot of the people who started running uh, on progressive politics on the local, state, and federal level, a lot of them got their start back there. And it, it was weird. I think it was what's really unique is that these things were all happening in these little tiny separate towns. I mean, we we're all like somewhat connected. You know, Occupy Athens knew about Occupy DC. We had relationships with people like down in Gainesville, Florida with Occupy Gainesville, Occupy Atlanta, of course, which was a pretty big one. But we were still pretty much operating in our own little bubbles. And for a while, we kind of almost thought we were like very unique. Like, oh man, we, we kept this fire burning, we kept this flame going, and we kept on getting better at organizing and better at um, you know translating our ideology and our politics to people and interacting with elected officials, these kind of things. But it turns out like that was happening in all these other places too that had these own movements. And of course, all of that built up. A lot of people fell off, of course, you know. Um, I would say, you know, maybe five percent of the people who are involved in the Occupy movements are still involved somehow in activism or politics now. But that 5% are well honed. Like they've trained themselves. They have so much experience. They've made so many mistakes and learned from them. They've got better at networking and teaming up with people who were more from maybe that, you know, establishment kind of uh, left. And that's definitely what happened in Athens. And like there was a, you know, at our height, I think in Occupy Athens, we had, we had a march that had about 250 people. You know, I think maybe we had like somewhere between 200 and 300 people who, considered themselves a part of it. And that was, uh, you know, that all started in October of 2011. By January of 2012, I would say there was about 30 of us. You know, it really had dwindled pretty far. And, but that those 30 people stayed engaged. And of the people who really helped me run my campaign for mayor in 2013, like two years later, I would say, you know, the, like, six or seven of like the 10 major people who were involved in my campaign all came from that Occupy movement, that background. And many of them, uh, of not almost all of them are involved now in Athens for everyone or like a DSA chapter somewhere else in the nation, um, or working in actually a few like working in DC now and stuff. So, I mean, these people got experience, they learned how to be effective and they're being effective right now. So my, my question is, it seems like Athens is at least a little bit unique in that Athens for Everyone formed, mm -hmm. where in mm -hmm. a lot of these other places that we're talking about, at least I am not aware of explicit groups sort of in that mold that survived the period of like between 2012 and 2016. Yeah. So what, what do you think is the reason for that? Yeah, so... I do think that was one of our better moves. <laughs> <I think laughs> really? I, yeah. And I think that that's something that other organizations 
weren't able to pull off. I mean, a lot of it just comes down to uh, some of its luck, and some of it is definitely us strategizing well of taking the right steps at the right time in the right order. Uh, but, like, you know, nobody's ever heard of the weird things that we tried that didn't take off, like GLIC, Georgians for Local Economic Control. Nobody I've heard, never heard of that. Nobody heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we tried that for a while. Um, and Dude, I want to guess what this is. <laughs> okay, is this sure. thing attempt for us to be able to raise the minimum wage on our own? Yes. That's oh, it. yes. That's it. I know Georgia. You win. You <laughs> yeah, win. I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, we had these other other tries that we tried to do things. I mean, we, uh, for a little while after Occupy Athens, like, fizzled out, we started our own little, like, leftist newspaper that we, I think we did six issues of yeah um so like we tried these other things and you know there was like minor successes and maybe had a little bit impact but wasn't really growing and you know the big thing was me running for mayor and us being really committed about it other people underestimating us and uh, us working together i mean that the whole thing comes down to me like running for mayor was i was at terrapin uh with terrapin brewery here in athens with chris dowd uh, one of my good friends and uh, the operations coordinator for Athens for Everyone now. And we had had a few beers. And he's like, you should run for mayor. Like, nobody else is running. And so we shook on it and saying, if on October 31st, 2013, if nobody else had announced to run um, outside the incumbent Nancy Denson, that I would, I, would, I would run. And sure enough, so November 1st, we started that campaign. And, you know, that was, some of that was just kind of luck. I mean, we obviously knew what could come out of that. But we worked hard. We built a movement. And we knew from day one. I always said we had three goals for that campaign. Obviously, goal one was to win and try to be mayor. Goal two was to bring up issues that were not being discussed. Poverty rate, racial discrimination, affordable housing, lack of public transit. Uh, and the third thing was to build our larger progressive movement. That, this was, that, that, that election was not the end game. That on May 20th, 2014, win or lose... We started moving forward, trying to push that platform, the ambitious progressive platform we had put in place in my, in my mayor run. We're going to get that moving forward either way. Um, and honestly, the goal was that even if I had won, rest of the campaign would have tried to start the organization that would turn to the Athens River one without me as I you know, took office. Um, and I mean, I've told some people before, like, maybe the best thing that happened to the progressive left in Athens is that I lost that race. Because I'm not sure if Athens Forever One really would have formed and had all those people who were able to really buy in and feel like they were a part of something that I'm not sure if they would have felt like they were a part of if it was just me sitting and holding an executive position in our county government. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because there are so many organizations that have tried to spawn out of successful campaigns that have failed. You know, I think the biggest example that most people would remember is like organizing for action mm. like obama's mm-hmm. you know attempt to keep his campaign alive once he took office just right. really sputtered yeah. unfortunately uh, well, because there's a lot of good action there well people think that like we we got it done we're, we're good that right. was the goal we, we got the goal and i think with us it's like uh we we didn't plan a did not work we have to move to plan B. Yeah. And so maybe that was part well, of it. Well, because that's actually what I was going to get to, which is I was curious if you thought that part of the reason Athens for Everyone has been able to have success is the fact that it's not, you know, trying to be Camden County for everyone, which is, you know, a deep red area. And it's a mm-hmm. place where, generally speaking, the politics should be closer to what that group wants, but for whatever reason, it's not. And 
you know, in, in my experience, Atlanta's had a harder time with mm-hmm. these kinds of organizations Definitely. and the more like establishmentarian organizations are far more successful. Yeah. Um, because it, it seems to me that like the median Democratic voter in Atlanta is getting what they want. Right. Whereas in a- Athens, I don't think the median Democrat is getting what they want. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I think that even what is happening, they, they feel separated maybe for those from those those successes, those democratic liberal successes that they feel in Atlanta, maybe from the local government well, really expressing them. I having... mean, the thing I would say is like, you are unabashedly more to the left than I am. Like, sure. I consider myself fairly progressive, mm-hmm. especially compared to some of the older, you know, Democrats in the county. But it's just like, every time I talk to even like the most hardcore, I am a middle of the road Democrat who's like in their 60s, like they're pissed off at Nancy Tensing. Like they're unhappy with the government. And it's just like, there's some weird thing that happens in Athens where everyone like, this is a liberal city and a sea of red. But for like whatever reason, our government feels like the 1970s of Georgia. (laughs) And it's just bizarro to me. And I haven't been able to figure it out. And I was just, you know, curious if you think that is part of the reason why some of the problems that places like Augusta and Atlanta have, where the far left and the, like, I guess, median Democrat, mm-hmm. uh, the term I've just created, like, <laughs> you know, like, is that part of the reason that, like, this alliance has worked out because we're both unhappy? Because, I mean, I would say I'm to the left of the median Democrats, but I feel like on that front, we're all right. the same. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think part of it, I think also... So Athens River One's been it's been a big part of our goal from the beginning to have a a broad left idea and strategy. And so we really wanted to be able to have an organization where somebody who is a little like, you know, left of center, maybe like yourself or something, could could really kind of relate and see some good happening in the organization that they want to be a part of. And honestly, like uh, an anarchist could walk in and also find a place where they felt like they could work together. And I think that makes a really healthy, at least on the left, political environment for everybody to kind of work together, kind of see that we have some of the similar goals and, uh, you know, that and, and help start transforming the society that we want to see. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, you probably I, wouldn't go as far as trying to just basically, you know, remove all government in general and create yeah. a spoke council or something. But yeah, you know, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, but, but, but what I was gonna say is like actually, I, I haven't seen your Athens for everyone's like most recent platform. But I remember right. like the one that you guys came up with for well, you're not on there anymore. But so last year, yeah, yeah, for last year, like 2016, like that one was like I pretty much want all of those in the exact form that you guys were you know right. were pushing. So it's just like on that front, you know. Uh, I think I think that broad coalition thing did happen. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think that was a key component. I mean, it definitely what came together with Athens for Everyone, I think, required a lot of stuff. That's part of it. The strategy of part of it, bringing people together. And also, maybe just even the demographics of, of Athens a little bit. Uh, and definitely the size. Like, we bring up Atlanta, and I've, you know, right. I have a lot of organizer friends in Atlanta that, that work with different organizations. And it's tough. They're dealing with so many people spread out over such an area with so many other organizations competing, going on constantly. Um, here in Athens, it's it's we're not too small, we're not too big. It's, we can reach most people here in this county, uh, but there's also enough people to really organize to get things done. So it's this, I think we almost kind of found the right level uh, to kind of launch this model. And I do hope that, you know, 
my goal is in the future that we can kind of try to recreate the model we, we made with Athens River One and bring that to other cities, especially mid-sized cities, college towns, places like Columbus, places like Macon, where I feel like there's definitely some progress that could be made. Uh, Don't forget it, Savannah. Everyone always forgets Savannah. Savannah, it, yeah. It's, so much it's, trouble organizing. That's true. That's true. I mean, uh, and yeah, we've actually run to that whenever I've done like statewide organizing kind of things, trying to get other cities, I'm always kind of surprised how difficult it is to find people actively engaged with a network ready to go in Savannah. Um, and that's another thing we've been able to do. I think it's really happened is we kind of came up with like response teams here in Athens. So whenever an issue happened, whether it was local, whether it was state, or whether it was a national issue that the local community really felt a desire to respond to, uh, we kind of stepped into that role of, well, we'll organize these things. We'll organize these things and try to make a place where people's voices can be heard. People can express themselves, whether that's grief, whether that's uh, joy, whenever, like, you know, we have finally had, uh, you know, the LGBT marriage kind of came through and gave marriage equality. Like, we made a big, like, we had a big celebration downtown. It's like, yeah, let's do this. But also, you know, for a lot of the um, terrible deaths that have happened to a lot of black men and stuff. You know, in the Black Lives Matter, we, we held a, a die-in at the mall. We held, uh, you know, rallies downtown, uh, you know, trying to ad- admonish police brutality. Um, but just creating those spaces where people could come, get together, feel a little better, whether that's, like I said, joy or grief. And um, that's, it's, it's very unfortunate that there's not something like that happening in all those other cities. Um, because that that's, it's an easy thing to do, honestly, just being those people who are willing to step up and just bring the resources because the people will show up and they have that desire. They have something they want to say. So we'd like to see that recreated in all these other cities, not just in Georgia, but across the entire Southeast. Have you thought, of, I'm just curious, have you thought about kind of how the suburbs play into this? I don't, I grew up in Cherokee County, about 45 minutes outside of Atlanta, and I didn't know anyone growing up whose families participated in political, uh, really political anything. Um, and then what we saw with the John Ossoff campaign was that, you know, in a suburb of Cobb County, pretty similar to Cherokee, all of a sudden people in the suburbs were really amped up and had a lot of energy. Um, and I know there's a lot of discussion for Democrats that like diversifying well-educated suburbs are kind of key to taking back uh, picking up lost ground, particularly in places like the South. So how do you build that kind of like civic and political culture in the suburbs? Um, is that different than in a place like Athens or Macon or Savannah? Yeah, I'd say it probably is and definitely more challenging. Um, I mean, we've seen, like you said, that wake up kind of happen with the Ossoff campaign. I would say really what woke them up was the Trump campaign. Um, and I think that, that that isn't sustainable for one thing. I think a lot of that uh, activism and passion, I think they're gonna, I think it's going to last through the midterms, but I think a lot of it's in reaction to Trump, and that's mm-hmm. not playing into necessarily the world people want so that they're going to be active throughout their lives, really engaging in these kinds of things. I think it's more of a reaction to the world that they don't want, which is a start, but that it's, it's another step up. Um, you know, because right now it's almost a reaction out of fear rather than a a productive, uh, you know, action. Um, it's very similar, I think, that, that question to organizing students. And maybe that's because a lot of the students came, like, like you, like came from the suburbs and stuff and a bit of a different background. 
So that's been like one of the challenges here in Athens. I think a lot of people assume and think like Athens for everyone's made up of like a bunch of undergrads. Undergrads are a very small percentage of Athens for everyone. It's really hard for us to really reach into the into that group. And part of it's because, you know, they've got other things going on. They're in a different place in their life. But a lot of it also comes down to that background they came from, that they they didn't come from a background where they necessarily engaged uh, in, in, pol- in politics in an intimate way or activism at all. Um, so we've, we've been experimenting with different things, trying different things. We've created a, uh, a UGA chapter of Athens for everyone where we're trying to see if that can like help bring people in. Um, but I think that's the, that's the larger challenge, especially, I think a lot of it's that, and and, this is a, this is a broad statement, but a lot of times people who live in the suburbs are having a, a little bit of a better off life who aren't being as drastically affected by maybe some of the issues happening in the world. Um, and therefore there's less motivation, uh, for them to get involved. The motivation has to be more involved around helping other people. And there's not as much necessarily uh, help for them direct for themselves. And so I think there's, uh, you know, trying to build that compassion in our society in general so that people are stepping up and being more consistent about it. But it's, that is a massive challenge for organizing right now. And that's why I think you see a lot of the organizing on the left and the progressives, obviously, happening in more urban areas you know the more rural or suburban it gets the less it's happening what i'm curious what you think kyle coming from that coming from that background what 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 you would say i think it would take i don't i think about the things that mattered to people in the suburbs and like if there was an issue around taxes or like property taxes going up that was something that would um bring a lot of energy and and get people upset and people care a lot about schools. I can remember Mm. I actually um, went to high school with Michael Caldwell. He's a state representative from Cherokee County and he's one of the more conservative members in the house. Uh, But when he first started running, um, he was really engaged with the school board at the time. So I went to a couple of school board meetings with him and they used to pack the room at like Cherokee County school Mm. board meetings, but anything else, I mean, if it wasn't traffic or education or taxes, there was just, there was nothing to worry about. Kind of like you said that there just, there isn't as much of that direct like economic challenge. And I think to some extent, things like poverty and even some issues around like immigration, I think are a little more hidden in the suburbs because mm. it's all subdivisions and rows of nice houses. And right. and I think to some extent, it's hard to know what's going on in some of these communities or, or they're not as tight knit as, I mean, I noticed that difference when I moved to Athens, I felt like there was just a lot more civic engagement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's kind of what brought me into it originally was just, there was more of an appetite and an environment for it. Um, so in, I, d- I don't have any good <laughs> solutions in mind, unfortunately. But, yeah, yeah. But no, um, it's, I do know that it's, it, it was tough from my experience. I, I don't see a lot of that energy in the suburbs. So the question I have is, and, and, you know, we talked about this earlier when we were talking about your campaign Mm -hmm. and that much of the framing of your campaign is as a extension of the larger movement that you've been a part of for really the past, you know, seven, seven years. years. Yeah. And, I'm just I'm just kind of curious how far you think that can go, you know, because that that's that's one of the things that is I've found interesting about the movements that we've been discussing is that they usually kind of fizzle out when the 
big scary thing goes away right. or people lose energy because i mean you know with occupy that arguably did not succeed and but there's an argument that was well, never supposed to succeed okay that there, was, that there was no there was no How mega there, <laughs> true there was very many many medica but there, yeah. there was no necessarily no, no specific goal to right go for i mean there's of course an argument that the i want to point out that is so alien to my thinking of organizing sure. but no, still it, mine too maybe yeah, yeah yeah i'm not saying i agree with this thing yeah so my art my counter to that would be maybe the success and the goal succeed is where we are now and, and that, that was what I was about to say, is that, okay. like, there's a, there, the argument that Occupy success would, would have to involve some, like, theory of hibernation. It, <laughs> that, like, you know, it's like we needed yeah. to take a break for a couple of years. Or, the, or the, we went underground for a little bit right. and then came back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, uh, a Total Recall, the people on Mars. <laughs> it's exactly or, like Total Recall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, what I mean to say is that, like, if... Athens has this, you know, progressive wave that, I mean, honestly, Democrats always find a way to screw things up. So I'm kind of like at the point of like, how are we going to mess this up? But Mm -hmm. let's assume we don't. I mean, do you think that will like be the death of Athens for everyone? If we have, you know, a commission that's, you know, the mayors, Kelly Gertz and Tim Densing and Russell Edwards and Tommy Valentine and Marisha Rucker. Like if all these people are on there, then like what the hell is Athens for everyone supposed to do in that world? uh, Man, you're bringing up all my fears. That's true. (laughs) I mean, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Anxiety. So so I think you hit two things. One of them I've thought about. So like the, what happens if we really just start to succeed? What if we elect the government we want? Yeah. How do we keep people engaged? Because again, uh, I'll admit, like I said earlier, like part of it is this like fear kind of thing. There's part mm-hmm. of it's this reacting to what you don't want that pushes you towards what you want. And when you start getting what you want, I mean, yeah, are we going to have people still stepping up like with better ideas for the next thing? Like, I don't know. Are they going to settle into their nice progressive lifestyle with fare free buses and, you know, ample affordable housing for our workforce? Um, so that's that has come into my mind. And what I hope especially at least specifically for Athens for everyone is that once that starts happening, we can move up to that next level and start doing something we already have been doing for a while, um, which is working in more on uh, statewide policy, uh, working on, I know. So become McDonald's. It's like a franchise is everywhere. <laughs> and basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've already come up with the workshops and we've shopped the workshops around to some other movements and cities and stuff like that, but basically trying to bring it on and trying to grow it out. Um, the more interesting question that you brought up, which I haven't thought about as much, is how long can this be sustained? Because I definitely am the kind of like you know, I don't I don't believe in a utopia. I believe that we're constantly stuck in cycles, and this is an endless fight for justice, um, right. and, it, and it will go on for as long as we exist, uh, which is fine. It gives us something to do, though, right? So that's I'm cool with that. Um, but. It, it's it's hard. I mean, one of the biggest challenges we've had as an organization, and I would say we've had as a movement, even outside of this organization, has been keeping people involved, not getting burned out, and just, like, keeping that flame lit. Um, and I'll admit, like, a lot of times it was, like, me and a handful of other people during some of those rough times just, like, carrying that torch and, like, really having some, like, heavy stress on us. And it's hard to find people with enough privilege in a situation to even be able to do those things. Um so man that question of like how long can this go for i mean i want to say forever but i don't know you know i mean i think one of my bigger 
uh, things that that I can bring to this organization, the movement is like I'm very persistent. It's it's pretty. I've, I found it's pretty hard for me to burn out. I can somehow like go a little deeper and pull up the energy until somebody else can step in. Um, but yeah, but how long can we do this for? And I I hope forever, but I don't know. I mean, we've seen you know here in Athens, we've seen uh, little waves of progressiveness come through and then die off. I and mean, we've seen what happened like with you know Gwyneth Looney and her camp in the '90s. Uh, and then, you know, uh, then like Doc Eldridge becomes mayor after that. And we kind of see like things slip off and, you know, Heidi Davidson pushing for some stuff, really getting some environmental causes moving forward. And then Nancy Denson getting elected and literally having the green building ordinance sit on the agenda for two years, never being brought to action to a vote. Um, you know, so we've, 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 we've been riding this like wave. So I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I think maybe that hopefully that's our new challenge. It's a nice challenge to have that means that we're in power and that means that we're getting things done for the betterment of our entire community uh so if we can get to that point i will happily deal with that next problem yeah so here's an interesting counterfactual we, we we've had uh on the federal level a party that has defined itself by what it's been against mm -hmm. in the republican party and that they have pretty much very consistently had a lot of things that they have wanted to stop right and I would not say that Athens for Everyone or the left has been a destructive force in that way, but there's plenty of things that they're against. Mm -hmm. what, how, how do we avoid that mentality taking over when we try to actually start governing? Because that's, right. that's a concern I would have as, as someone, if I was in your position, mm -hmm. in, in the sense that Athens for everyone kind of, you know, if, if the government takes a step to the left, then Athens for everyone takes a step for the left. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, perfect being the enemy of good. Right. Takes over. And so how, do you, well, you know, I guess it's, you know, it's two questions. One, do you think that will happen? And two, if not, how are we going to avoid that? So it, it could happen, but I definitely see how we've operated and our goals not being... As reactionary. So one thing I, I learned that's been an amazing lesson for me uh, was during the mayoral race um, in which, you know, we lost, but I got over 40%. And I think probably when I first announced, people were expecting me to get like maybe 5%, you know, <laughs> um, maybe less than that. And one of the things I learned kind of early on, I think the campaign learned was that you never be reactionary. If you are being reactionary, you're losing. Like you're admitting right there that you are, you know, you don't control the narrative. You're not controlling the energy. And so we constantly just try to put our agenda, uh, our vision of, of the Athens we wanted to see forward. And what we noticed is when there was about two, three months left in the campaign, our opponents started being very reactionary to us and started reacting to us. We were controlling that narrative. I mean, that's why we were able to get, you know, here in Athens, you know, the idea of fare free buses is a pretty widely known idea and i would guarantee you that every person running for office has a stance on it um like that did not exist in 2013 outside of maybe my own race um and so we're always trying to do that and i think that's something that we've i've definitely tried to keep at heart moving forward through Athens for everyone through my campaign now is not reacting to the things uh that i don't want to see obviously that's part of it you have to play defense um Hell, that's all we're doing on the state legislature when we go lobbying there, you know. But it's always in this transformative idea. We we subscribe to this idea of transformative organizing, so that everything that we're working on, 
no matter if it's a thing that we're fighting or if it's a small policy piece that we're fighting for, always has to find it, always has to somehow sit on the path towards that more transformative goal. Uh, for example, our push for Sunday bus service, they get buses running seven days a week here in Athens. That was on the more transformative road to trying to get a fare-free public transit system that ran all throughout athens Clark County every 30 minutes for much later into the night, earlier in the morning. Uh, like that was just that one small piece towards this more transformative goal. And so I've always been careful that, and I'll do the same thing as kind of commissioner that when I'm working on an issue, I'm trying to find out where that lines up on that larger transformative goal that helps us create an Athens for everyone, whether that be in housing or transit or wages or economic development. Um, so I don't think we're going to fall. I don't think I would fall into a, a into a more of a reactionary. Well, I'm not uh, worried about you, yeah. to be honest. And, and, and this is and this is where I want to go. I'm not going to yeah. name names that you know prevent it from being tougher. But it's just mm. like in the you know in the congressional district ten race, we've mm-hmm. seen what I'm concerned about in that there's been an escalation in the rhetoric. Sure. Uh, because I would say, watching that race as I have. There are two very progressive candidates. Just yeah. one of them is like significantly more <laughs> yeah. progressive than the other. Yeah. But like compared to, you know, like John Barrow mm-hmm. running in like 2014, 2016, like both of those candidates are very far to the left. Very far. Yeah. Yet there's been significant pushback against one of them for not being pure enough. And I'm yeah. just, you know, I'm worried because like, it's a genuine worry of mine. Like, how mm-hmm. do we avoid that constant pushing towards more far left policies because it it seems like people are hungry for that and i'm i'm not sure if we have this great success where we get the government that Mm. we want now that that hunger won't just redirect itself and will be even more those you know those factions will be even more frustrated because like we elected the government that was supposed to you know bring a universal income to Athens or yeah, something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that we don't move from, like, fare-free bus service to everybody gets their own bus or something. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Exactly. Um, sure. That's, so, I mean, that's that's something can that can definitely be problematic, I could see. Um, and I'm sure that there's some people, some Democrats on the county commission who would argue that's already happening. Um, right. So, I mean, part of that's going to be just, like, there is going to be a line somewhere in the sand and people are going to be on other sides of it. Um, you know, I I try not to be personally a, a strict ideologue. You know, I try to work with people. Um, so part of that really comes down to me is like willingness and how genuine somebody is and really what where their intent's coming from. I, I really try to read a person. And this comes down to the commissioners too. I feel like I have right now with the county commission, like a somewhat of a relationship with all of them of, of some level. And I really try to read it past just what their black and white votes might be and really, you know, try to read what I feel like their intent is and how they deal with me, how I see them deal with other people. And so I try to bring that into mind when working with them. And I'll try to bring that into mind working on the county commission. And I'll try to influence those other progressive commissioners uh, to work on the same way. But, yeah, I mean, it's a a large body. We're going to be part of a legislative body. And, of course... I am not going to be able to steer that thing. We're gonna, there's going to be 10 hands on that steering wheel trying to drive it, you know? That's difficult. And I've tried, to, in the same way, I've tried to build up relationships now with all of the different candidates and the other commissions, uh, commission districts who are running right now so that we can already have that relationship there a little bit because um, that's important. 
But uh, well, I, I want to point something out because I sure I, I agree with you that it is important because I remember when you know you first started running for mayor and when you were getting involved in politics, you know it sort of coincided with my involved with the young, involvement yeah. of the young Democrats. I remember I remember coming to that young Dems that first meeting and I remember yeah, seeing you sitting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and what's hilarious about that to me is that you were absolutely nothing like your public persona at all okay. because and i think this is still a problem for you i'm gonna, okay. oh, I, this, oh, this, this is, is this is the therapy yeah. session yeah you know, part, it. part of it <laughs> of your campaign because you have not adopted any of my advice yet <laughs> and i'm upset with you um all right because, let's get into it yeah so okay so like if <laughs> if someone like looked at your public profile persona facebook yeah. did not read your comments though because i think there's actually a lot of nuance in your facebook comments okay. Okay. a comment i have never said about anyone ever hey before. all right yeah um, I try. but but it's just like looking at you how people talk about you and how you like come off mm-hmm. there would be very little difference between like your style and just like for someone easy to for everyone else to understand like bernie sanders as in that mm-hmm. like you're really like radical and like you don't compromise and mm-hmm. like you're pushing for you know this far left vision and that you're you know grumpy towards it and (laughs) and that like it's like this movement thing that like really only far leftists could get behind Mm, and you know uh because i think right now like you're uh your like banner picture or whatever is like you with a guitar with like a whole like a bunch of people marching behind you yeah, yeah In reality, you're absolutely nothing like that. In oh, my I'm... in my experience of you, like that's yeah, part sure. of you. Right. But right, like right, right. most of you is actually like far more pragmatic and like let's actually get things done. Like let's find a way to work with people. Let's talk right. to people and hear sure. them sincerely. Yeah. Which I think is a positive thing. I think there's positive things about both of those. Right. But I think for actually like being successful in governance, yeah. that like you need that aspect of. Mm-hmm. You know, you would be pretty loud and clear, and I don't think it is because mm-hmm. I think, and this is what I was getting to earlier with the whole idea of like your campaign being the extension of a movement rather than your campaign being about Tim Denson having ability to fix your potholes, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, sure. or, or also yeah. Tim Denson having the ability to get fair free buses sure. and that right. that sort of thing, yeah, and. I just have a lot of feelings about it. Yeah, okay. No, it's interesting. So, I mean, I I think I agree with everything you say there. Um, I, That's good. I I definitely, in my, I mean, it's, you know, of course, how you view yourself and how maybe you come across can be mm. completely different things. So, both of those things are incredibly important to me. And I do... Define what you mean by both of those. So, so the, the, um, the strict... Not going to compromise on justice, not going to compromise on equity, not going to compromise on equality. Those things I will not compromise on. Right. And, but how I talk about that, how I talk about that lack of compromise, how I interact with people when trying to get them to see my side of it and come over and work with me Mm. um, is very important. You know, and, and and I would argue, so, um, and this is going to sound like ridiculous and people are going to roll their eyes in here. Like, cause I do not think I'm like Bernie Sanders. Okay. But <laughs> I, I feel like that, that Bernie might have the same problem that he can't, especially during the camp that he come across as this like straight, you know, but in the Senate, at least at times on, on a lot of issues, especially when he thinks about like veterans affairs, he has definitely thought of that guy who like gets things done a lot of times right. and can work across the aisle. And, and I agree with and, that on, on you know, specific issues, on specific issues. Yeah. 
And there are specific issues that he's not going to compromise on um, when it comes to like single payer healthcare. Like I'm with him on that. Like any any policy we're putting towards healthcare, I believe needs to be on that transformative path towards a single payer healthcare system. I've just seen it destroy too many people's lives, including my family's. I've had my own hardships with it. Um, there is no other way I can see unless somebody can come up with somebody can give me some really really uh, great pitch that convinces me. I don't see a way otherwise. So there are those issues. And I would say the same thing when it comes to um, when it comes to the to living wages. You know, like there's there's absolutely like, it's called living wages for a reason because that's how much money you need to have to like just live a decent life. Right. And nobody's gonna be able to convince me that like no people don't need that much money. People or people like don't deserve it or something. Like everybody deserves to have a decent life. Um, so there are those things, but how we get there. I realize just out of necessity, like I have to work with people. I have, I have friends, you know, some of these friends and I have, and I got friends with them. Yes. <laughs> also, I, I work with these people who don't take that way. And sometimes they get mad at me. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I, 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 and after everyone, I was sometimes called like the conservative of the group. Right. And, and like, <laughs> so. and that was sort of what I'm getting at is that like, that is not clear at all for yeah. your public persona. And I think, we're breaking through the wall here, people. Like, uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a crazy leftist. I'm not. I'm not a commie like the comments on Athens Bear Herald's website will tell you right. that I am. Um, <laughs> but like, maybe that's. I think. But I think it's part of it, though. Like, because I do believe those things, and I mean, I will get to a point where I'll speak very passionately about those things, and I will fight for those things, and I will tirelessly work for those things. Um, so I think that's part of it, and I think that gets people involved in the movement and gets them working. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to have a relationship with you know a friendship with somebody like uh, you know Regina Quick, you know Judge Quick. Now, like I had a working relationship with her when she was at the state legislature because like why wouldn't I? I mean, when she re would run for re-election, I worked to try to get her like you no know, no longer in office. But if she's going to be in office for another two years, like well. What my op my options are to try to work with her or to just run against her for two years? Well, it and sense. also surprise, like if you treat people like people, they they tend to treat you like a person as well. Exactly. <laughs> and I, and yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is that I think that is a valuable part of your political skills, and that it doesn't come off because yeah. what I think about you know because what I I am. The one thing that I'm a political hack about is I really like to win. And so, <laughs> you know, true. it's like, if I ever see something, it's like, hum, that might hurt someone from winning. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. that makes me really upset. And so, yeah. like, with you, I feel like that's your biggest liability mm -hmm. is that no one sees that and that you don't take the effort to, like, make that clear. Because mm -hmm. what I think about, you know, with this campaign, and I kind of think about this in the larger context of all the campaigns we're seeing sure. in Athens, I'm asking myself... Are you offering something to the people that don't immediately agree with you? Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I think that will be the thing that kills this progressive wave that we could potentially have. Yeah. Is because I think a lot of the county commission races aren't doing that. I think Kelly's doing it a little bit. And mm -hmm. I think part of that is because he's been on the commission so long that people just inherently understand that, like, he understands what the commission does and mm -hmm. he has a very good opinion on it because i think honestly and you can tell me if i'm wrong because mm -hmm. you've been canvassing your district sure. so you would know like if you knock on someone's door who doesn't immediately know who like know you right like i imagine they'd be like so you've just like been 
being an activist for four years and now you want to be a commissioner and you haven't actually done anything in that time and that's not true yeah. at all like i have you, a pretty good pitch i think I well, I, well, yeah. I'm, sure, well, I'm sure your pitch is good but i'm yeah. saying that like when they see you they're just like oh it's jim denson mm-hmm. and like oh so like somebody who like knows me on the skin level kind of right thing, like, has heard the name right and like reads the athens bear herald and is familiar with your campaign like i feel like they don't know the yeah. things that you've done and only have like the i guess i guess like to use a very clear example like the bright bargain view of you of mm. like like who you know the like extremist fox news version right. of tim densing rather than the like nuanced truth version and yeah. part of it is yeah. your appearance you know sure. you got the beard which is iconic yep. and great yeah but also Not like anywhere yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly like, <laughs> like it bring it brings out feelings did i tell you like like my second fundraiser i had for the mayor's campaign I had this nice old woman who was probably about 65 uh. and we were at this restaurant and I was, I was waiting to go into the bathroom and she follows me down the hallway comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and she said uh, you know people aren't going to vote for you with that beard <laughs> she's like I'll vote for you but other people like me won't vote for you right and yeah so yeah that was an aside uh, um, yeah but, but so alright if I'm being honest like and I have gotten some like the, the bright bardian reaction and maybe this is like the you know that other part of me coming out, and like when I hear that, I, really my reaction is like uh, they can go to hell, um, and I'm probably not gonna get their vote anyways. That's probably true. So, so I mean, I although I will admit here, like if I knocked on the door, and which I've had a few of these, not many, not as many as you think, but I've had a few of these. Um, I try to be because I'm not you know an aggressive person, especially, and, and as long as like you know you're not trying to hold a policy away from me that I'm really going to fight for. Right. I'm a pretty friendly guy who's going to try to talk to you and try to break through. And um, you know usually I, I react with just trying to win them over a little bit. And if I can't, give them a handshake. Thanks for your time walking away. But for the those, I don't know. I mean the the main issue I run into, I run, I run into people who know me a little bit, maybe are 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 a little wary. I'll give you that. Or yeah, maybe a and, little and these are the wary. people that I'm talking about the most that I feel like are being underserved. Yeah, <laughs> these, yeah. I mean, I, so I so I do get that. I get a little wary, and they they take a little bit of of work. Um, although that's happening, that happens a lot less now than did during the mayor's race. During the mayor's mm. race, that happened a lot. I mean, right. that was. I would say argue that's that's why I lost. I think mean, you've actually talked about this and stuff. You know, if I think if that camp if that campaign had gone on for another like three months and we get a little better at that. I don't know. We could have possibly won, um, but I do agree that was that was some that was that was part of the problem. Now you know I think we're we're trying to and we're trying to get better at translating how my activism and my work has led to victories, how that has led to me sitting on multiple government boards and mo- multiple boards of nonprofits here in town and, and doing good work there. Um, so that has been part of the challenge of trying to get that through. Um, I think more people are familiar with it. And then there are those people who, as soon as they hear my name, uh, the they just tell me, you know, no thanks. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to get anywhere with those people. Nope, I'm not. It's just, I, I guess what I'm curious about, and this is getting to mega campaigning, is like, is the goal to increase turnout to win by getting the people that usually don't come out for these things? Or is the goal to... You have an electorate that is probably fairly stable, might go up or down by like 400 each mm-hmm. year. And like, are you trying to just like convince enough of them to win? Because that that's sort of a thing that's been 
interesting for me in this time because I look at, you know, going chronologically like Sam Park and Gwinnett in sure. 2016, right. he actually managed to like raise turnout significantly. Right. And I don't know if it was just that year or the work that he was doing. I think it's probably the work he was doing though, because they were knocking doors like crazy in and that you district. Didn't, and you didn't see that kind of bump and turnout happen in other places. Right. Georgia, and so, so that right. makes me think it was what right. they were doing. And right. just from uh, all the campaigns that I canvassed with that year, mm-hmm. his was definitely one of the most organized. Yeah. But they had a good message that okay. they actually provided me with like, if you run into someone that only speaks Spanish, like here's our Spanish material. Oh, wow. okay. Like they were, yeah. they had yeah. their stuff together. They and understood that his district was very, very uh, multilingual, mm-hmm. multiracial, right. and they had a good message. And and honestly, his his stuff was much better than his opponent that had been there for like twenty years and mm-hmm. had actually just qualified against him again. So oh, wow. yeah, right. Valerie Clark. But yeah. so like that happened there, and then uh, going to the special elections that we had in Athens with Jonathan Wallace. And um, Deborah Gonzalez. Both of them boosted turnout significantly. Yeah. And, you know, based on my perceptions of how well those campaigns were won, Wallace's team definitely boosted turnout by the work they did just yes. based on how conservative that district is. But they also and, pulled over a lot of what you had thought were conservative votes right. to Wallace. I agree. A lot. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was impressive yeah. by how much he won. That was, that was a landslide. Yeah, his Oconee was a County. landslide. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, his his win was really impressive. And, yeah. I, and just to go on a tangent, I think part of that is because of the fact that I went to a forum between the, you know, candidates and there were, I think, three mm-hmm. Republicans, maybe? Three four. Republicans, yeah. 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 And, like, they were just doing hackney talking points, and Wallace is like, I am yeah. a human being. I yeah. have opinions. I have positions. And, like, here, you know, yeah. talk to me. I will tell you what I actually yeah. think, rather than, like, giving Atlanta talking points that right. are terrible. Right. Um, and I, 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 guess, I guess what I'm saying is, like, there's good evidence on both sides, depending on how, like, wide your timeline is. Because mm. for most of the history of Athens that I've been here the electorate stays pretty stable. But in the past, you know, two, four years, there's a lot of evidence that Mm -hmm. mm, you could probably boost turnout if you work the right way. And so I'm just kind of curious, is that like, is that where you're going with it? So we are definitely trying to boost turnout and try to get to those most, they were almost on board voters that Mm -hmm. have had in the past, which I mean, I would, I'll be honest that like I've, I've been hoping and trying to win over somewhat over the last four years, um, you know, by just my activism, by working at City Hall on the other side of the rail, trying to get things done and getting them done sometimes. Um, you know, so I've been trying to show where I come from with that, with my actions there a little bit. And so I think I'll win over. I think I'm going to definitely win over a, a good number of those uh, over the last four years. But we're also definitely going to try to increase turnout. And I think that we're expecting that increase in turnout anyways, just because of uh, the political environment we have right now going into these elections where we're going to have, uh, I mean, for the first time ever. Yeah. I mean, a, an, an, a, a challenge primary on the Democrats, but Democrats in the Georgia 10th, like when was yeah. the last time, you know? So that's going to push things. I mean, you know, the, the race for governor, this, that's just going to push race for a lot of government. A lot of Democrats are going to come out. I mean, pretty much like most of the statewides are contested. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Which is amazing. I mean, yeah. it, it, this is, this is an amazing moment. And so I think we're going to tie into that. Um, you know, I, I definitely have a challenge where I am, uh, it's a, it's a three-way race, uh, running against a pretty widely recognized as a Republican candidate and then, uh, an incumbent who 
talks about like independent but Democrat. Um, so you know, I it, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, but we feel pretty confident that we're going to knock on the doors. We're going to have the conversations. Uh, we're going to try to build those relationships and then try to also you know uh, go back and buy into those relationships we already had with people over the last four years, which. Thankfully, we're finding that there's a lot of that already. You know, um, I've been getting a lot of my knock on doors. Um, sometimes the person answers the door. I was like, oh, I know you. And we talk. And then a lot of times I've knocked on doors and they're like, oh, hey, Tim. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I have to be honest. Like, what's your name again? Maybe we've met. I'm not right. sure. Um, but they're like, you got my vote. I mean, I've, I've man, I've heard that so many times. It's really made me feel really good about this race and what we've been doing over the last few years. So I feel pretty good about this um, as long as we do the work. That's what I've been telling people. Like, we win as long as we do the work. Um, you know, this is not going to be a shoe win. We're not just going to walk away with this. We're only going to win this if we do the work. But I feel convinced that as long as we're doing that work, we win. Like, hands down. Um, and we've got a great team of volunteers. Um, you know, we've been working. A lot of the left organizations supporting Athens. Of course, Athens for Everyone are endorsing me, working with Our Revolution, uh, AFL CIO trying to get you know all these other organizations who we're like minded with on on board and I mean I'm feeling pretty good about it. Kyle, we've lost you from this narrative. <laughs> Kyle, do um, you feel like do you do you agree with Luke that everybody just sees me as I don't know a a, a commie? <laughs> well, this is actually a good tee up for something I was going to jump in with earlier, and that's probably to defend the commies and the the uncompromising left. Um, yeah. Now, I think that one of the things that I've noticed is one of the, th like, the Democratic Socialists and the broader left have kind of brought into this conversation really clear and uncompromising statements on values. And I think that that was something I thought about a lot after our last episode and, and all the back and forth that Luke and I had railing against a few Democrats that took some votes on some tax bills that, uh, that I was not very happy about. And it was, I was just like kind of frustrated about the things that I care about, you know, ensuring that our education funding formula is fully funded and Medicaid expansion. And a lot of these things that have been discussed among Democrats in the legislature for a while, I was frustrated at, how those priorities were traded away almost without a lot of thought for some tax cuts. Mm. And I was like, how could you do that? Like we've talked about these things for years and it, it was just apparent to me. And I don't want to be too hard on these Democrats cause we've, <laughs> we already did that. Um, but like it was apparent to me that I don't think that it's accepted fully among Democrats or maybe it needs to be reiterated that, for some of these priorities, Democrats have to go to the mat on these things. And they may have to take positions that some people think are unpopular or potentially setting up people to lose reelection. And the thing that I think is missing from that conversation is even if it loses a few Democrats some seats or even um, if it's a tough vote, the the priorities of accessible healthcare to everyone and fully funded schools and all of those things should be things that we only compromise on in, in very limited circumstances, if at all. And so I, I think that the, the, the push from the left about holding people to those values 
and drawing red lines on values, kind of like you said, I think is something that's important that I think establishment Democrats can take a little bit for granted sometimes. Um, and so I, I, I come at this from the like negotiating and compromising and kind of centrist Democrat side, but I think it's something that I've thought a lot about throughout this legislative session and this era of Trumpian politics that uh, sometimes Democrats really do just have to put their foot down and stand up for a value, even if it's unpopular. Um, and I don't, I think that that, that message is missing from the legislative debate a little bit in Atlanta, I think. I would fully agree. And I think it's gotten a, I would argue it's gotten a little bit better this session. I've been, I've been very impressed with, uh, Deborah Gonzalez's, uh, so her first session so far and hopefully the first of many, um, that she has, uh, I feel like, found those lines that you're talking about pretty well. Like there's some issues that she will work with people on, but there's some issues that there's no compromising on. You just can't because you're compromising your values otherwise. Um, you know, and her really, uh, you know, standing up and protecting, uh, I feel like a lot of like undocumented Georgians from the well, like she did last week and uh, standing up and, you know, demanding that Medicaid expansion is an obvious solution that we should be moving forward on towards a path towards creating healthcare for all. Um, so I, I feel like I'm 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 hopeful that there's that that progressive left in our state legislators is finding uh, their place, and I hope that it doesn't go where I mean Luke brings up where it could go, um, which just is them being like ostracized and then eventually disappearing. But I I feel like they're having a, a and again I'm like I guess they're speaking to the choir and I'm part of the choir, but. I feel like they're really having an impact. And I, I think that if they can stay in there for a little longer, I think everyday Georgians are going to notice that. And hopefully uh, everyday Democrats will notice that too. Yeah, I think I agree with that actually. Yeah. And, and that that's the little bit of nuance I would add to this conversation is that I'm a less concerned and I actually pretty strongly agree with, especially like Cal's formulation of the importance of having a strict value set and sticking with it and not compromising it. I think it's just the stylistic choices of how it's uh, presented is, is where I sure. am boring as hell. And, <laughs> and that, and that yeah. like, you know, uh, parts of me enjoy just like the very boring 1960s-esque, like just articulation of raw policy mm -hmm. rather than the like movement vibrations that uh, you know but... people like so much now. And it's like, it, it, you know, it's weird because I go back and forth because like much of Obama's campaign was like movement. It was. And that that was like a very exciting and I definitely got behind that. It but... was effective, right? I right. Mean, you, you well, what, what hilariously though, it's just like, I guess, I guess what it was, you know, because like I was, I was a little bit too young. Like I caught most of Obama's 08 campaign, but like mm -hmm. I was like, ju I was still in high school. So like some of that was right. still a little bit too, right. you know, too early for me. But like, I feel like Obama's 2012 campaign was like more of that like boring like policy. It was. And like, I loved it. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, I loved that. You're the like, one person. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is great. Like, look at all the stuff he did. Look at all the stuff he wants to do. Like, I love it. And so, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just like uh -huh. that always 
But it's weird because, like, I didn't feel that way about Hillary's campaign. I feel like that's mm. sort of what she was trying to do for parts of it. And then much of it was just, like, Trump bashing. So, I don't know. Like, there's there's some, like, happy equilibrium that I want to get to. And yeah. what I'm saying is Obama's 2012 campaign <laughs> is it? what I love. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and that, you know, it's like, I don't know what it is. It's just there, there's something about that, like, mixture of, like, let's get excited about these things we want to do. Right. Rather than, like, let's get excited because we're all together. Well, I yeah, think, I mean, it's weird. I don't know. I think, Luke, the, the difference, I think, to me a little bit is, I think it has to be clear what happens if the laundry list of policy items that you and I get excited about don't get done and that, you know, you and I can get excited about the wonky stuff, but I think the sort of bringing the the moral element into this and, and drawing the red lines, it, it helps to remember that this is not just, and I, I have to remember this too. It's, it's not just us, our little playground for wonky policy ideas. Like if some of these things don't happen, like Medicaid expansion, people die and, and, or they do mm-hmm. not get the health care that they need. And so I think that that's where that balance comes into is um, we have to remember that the stakes are high and uh, getting mm-hmm. things done is, is yeah. very important. And I, I mean, I think that's probably why I get excited because I understand like the difference between an Obama presidency and Mitt Romney presidency is pretty stark. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, at the same time, I still feel pretty great that for the first time I'm represented by a Democrat in the state house and that Jonathan yeah. Wallace, for the most part, while I've had some disagreements with him, like pretty much 95% of things, like I agree with him yeah. pretty much fully and yeah. that he is out there, even if unsuccessfully, advocating for the things that I would like to see. Right. And that's not on him. It's the fact we're in the minority. But, um, but, but again, so that, that brings back to a little bit what I was talking about earlier about that, that controlling the narrative. Mm. And if there's one thing I, I would say that Georgia Democrats, I feel like were terrible at for a number of years, was that they they not only did they, you know, give up the fact that they were the minority and just like kind of limit themselves to what they could do as legislators, they limited themselves as what they could do by controlling that narrative as as, as inspiring the electorate. Right. Which, of course, in the future leads towards win, electoral wins. Like, this is all connected, and we were so poor at it. And the fact now that we have a Georgia legislator, which is like, you know what's like, what works sometimes is like, we're just going to hold press conferences on like Medicaid expansion, on all these bills we're going to do, we're going to make a big deal out of it, we're going to write op eds in our local papers. Like, yes, that is how you change that narrative. You don't just sit in the Golden Dome and sit and like, Say, like, well, we're in the minority. There's not much we can do. And maybe throw a bill out there knowing it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. It's like, throw the bill out there and know it's not going to go anywhere and fight like hell for it. Right. Like, that's what I think I see the difference in now is just the attitude they do it. And that attitude, I think, has a little bit of a glimmer that they see that they know that if they keep fighting for it like this, it is going to happen eventually. Mm. And I really feel like in the last few years, the Democrats... I mean, I would talk to, you know, Democratic legislators and Democrats in Georgia, and they would talk about, like, you know, well, the governor's race, we got to just, we got to win back the governor's race, and we can, like, maybe, you know, win, we can we can keep the, uh, you know, gerrymandering to a limited limited degree, maybe we can win back some seats, and and it was this, like, and they would tell me this, but I really feel like, you're, I don't think you actually believe this. Like, I don't know. Um, like I know that's well, what the hope was, but yeah, I, I mean, because like I, 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 as someone who like firmly has been in that camp for right. like four years, I kind of understand it. It's just like 
for a lot of times it's just like this is our only shot like this is this is our like firing two proton torpedoes into the death star like dear god would blew it up like this is amazing how did this happen like, right kind of thing like that because that was like the only way we thought we could survive right and in some ways it's still true <laughs> like in some ways i mean georgia's very gerrymandered and i think we're gonna you know the amount of wave and energy and activity that we've seen very well might be able to overcome that but mm-hmm. still i mean it will be tough and that i honestly think if we're in a scenario where we take back the state house or state senate like we've won the governor's mansion by like five points sure yeah yeah and so it's like at a certain point they have rigged the game right but i guess like what i what i had a problem with um and i see this happen in other places and it's definitely happened to local governments too sometimes is that this uh i don't know if it comes out of place of like was it the idea that there's nothing we can do in the interim? So it was, the, it was the idea that there was nothing we could do in the interim and that we weren't going to do nothing. Okay, yeah. And, yeah. and I... On so, that I agree with, because so, I, I, I've been very happy with the new House Minority Leadership right, and the I mean, things they've been doing. Like, let's just bring up the Death Star. Fantastic. Yes. Let's use that as... An, All right. So the Death Star, like, to me, the way that Georgia Democrats were working up until a year or two ago was that they wouldn't even send like a fleet of fighters into the Death Star into those canals to try to shoot it down. Right. They trenches. were instead they the were trenches. into the trenches. Yes. <laughs> they instead were going to just shoot it from like one of the main ships and just like hope, hope. maybe one of them hits the spot. <laughs> right. Like we're not it's like it's too much of a risk to send anybody out guys. Let's right. just stay in here. We can the five of us who are here will all live. Yes. And uh, rather than saying like well let's send the five people in there maybe three of them die but also like maybe we actually pull it off. Right. And and um, now I feel like we have some people who are just like, they're in the trenches, you yeah. know, and they're they're looking for that hatch to shoot into. And and I mean, that's how I operate, honestly. I mean, that's that's the way I look like we have to get things done, especially when everything's already against you. Like, man, like go out swinging. And instead, we've just been so cautious and have gotten nothing done and have compromised a thing at times when we shouldn't have compromised as kyle brings up um and then that demoralizes the base even more and it's just this downward spiral um you know and i think that honestly it it's taken some new leadership i think and some new faces to actually part of that inspire some of the old faces and also just like to lead the way with a different tone and uh i'm seeing that i I mean i i'm feeling inspired uh for the first time in years by what's going on the state legislature um and i think that when I think we'll see that other uh, Democratic voters are too. My you know, fear is that, you know, not all these people win. Obviously, yeah. Deborah and Jonathan in the special election. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough reelect. I think Jonathan's, Jonathan's race just impressed the hell out of me. I, I just, yeah. the numbers were just something I did not see coming. I mean, Deborah is going to have a, an amazing challenge. Um, but, you know, I think she's in, she's doing what she has to do. She's inspiring the people who are here right now. In her work in the Capitol, she's inspiring these people. These people are going to come out fighting for her. Like, they are so pumped right now yeah. for what she's doing that, I mean, all there's going to be just... We thought we had a bit large, can, large canvassing force in November for the special election. I think it's going to be even more than that. Yeah, and I hope that's true because I, you know, uh, I since, since Jonathan is my state rep, I, I'm very personal about this race. Sure. In that... Um, 
I think he had a very strong advantage that he did not have one opponent in the fact that he had three opponents mm-hmm. and that helped him win because I think when it's one it when it's one versus one sure. it's going to change it significantly because that district is very conservative and the thing is I think Jonathan has done a good job and he's doing what he needs to do but you know, I felt that way about Taylor Bennett and HD Aggie. Right. And then yeah, they yeah, dropped yeah. the ball. That race was much closer, though. Even it was. When you want, yeah, it no, was it very was. close. It was. You... So what, I guess this is why I see it a little bit differently is I agree it does change it up when it was four people on the ballot. Right. But he took he took over, was it almost 60%? It's like 50, no, I think 56. 50, was it 56? Okay. I think. 56%. It's been a while. So he has, you know, 6% that he can almost give up. Right. Like, why did that 6% vote for him mm. and not one of those other three, though? Yeah. If, if they're such conservative voters, you know... Well, what, as the Athens know? turnout was insane. It was, but he he won, he won most precincts in Oconee County, too. He did. He, yeah. well, well, I think. It's been a while. I think, I think he, he won did most well. of He them. did very well, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's... that's uh, I don't know. I have... I have and what, Weed Hour's the other one that's that's definitely running against yeah, him? Yeah, Weed so. Hour? Yeah, at least... So. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I have um, to be determined. Yeah, yeah, to be determined. But I mean, I think that we're going to see uh, an even. I think Athens, and I think actually a lot of Oconee County. Let's not sell Oconee County short. You know, there's a. I mean, there's a the, the Democratic Party there is amazing. And a, like, and you and would a, be amazed in how great the Democratic Party right. of Oconee County is. And a, and a progressive way, progressive organizations, people out there working on these campaigns already. So yeah, you know, I don't know. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah, Kyle. So not to bury all the policy at the end here, um, but for the, the but let's bury all policy at the end. <laughs> the hardcore Peach Pod <laughs> listeners that are still with us, um, could you talk a little bit about some of the the specific things that you'd like to do as a commissioner, um, and how you think about getting those things done? And I'd like to add one caveat to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people running pretty much agree with you on everything. On most things, or at least from the perception of like what their big mm-hmm. policy goals are. So I'd be curious as like what you think you uniquely would bring, since like I'm pretty sure like you and Tommy both agree on like yeah. carefree bus. Okay, sure, like sure. Affordable housing is part of both of your platforms. So like, what would you uniquely push? So one of the things that I'm really excited about that I feel like um, even people in my own campaign uh, don't see the, the the full possibility in is something we're calling. Um, uh, District 5 assemblies or people's assemblies. Mm. This is something I want to see happening in all 10 commission districts in which right now uh, every month we have three set meetings for the for the mayor commission. We have a work session, we have a agenda setting session, we have a voting session. All on Tuesdays. But there's four Tuesdays in a month. So that Tuesday in between the agenda setting session and the voting session I am going to hold what we're calling people's assemblies here in my district every single month. At that Tuesday, I'll already have the agenda that we have passed that we're going to bring on to that voting session. So I'll have it there where people can discuss those, what's, on, what's on the agenda with me, uh, issues that aren't on the agenda with me, um, and just be able to interact with me face-to-face uh, before I go in to vote on these things that following week. And I'm going to make a, a regular thing of this so that I can be held accountable and that I know that I am listening to my constituents before going and vote and definitely, you know, taking their thoughts and considerations into account whenever I vote. And also just going in with, uh, you know, knowing that they're involved and engaged and have been given a true opportunity uh, to to voice how they feel on those things. I feel like that's, not, I, as a constituent, uh, I haven't felt like I have had that opportunity. 
And I feel like a lot of other people don't either. And you know what? I've, I've been told people like, people aren't going to show up. I'm like, yeah, sometimes people aren't going to show up, but I'm going to be there. And so when those people do show up for that one issue that's important to them, uh, when they made time, um, you know, uh, we're going to be able to talk about things. And I'll be able to feel like I have done everything I can to really engage with them. Outside of that, you know, just uh, engaging with them also through a newsletter, through social media presence. We have a really good social media presence, email, those kind of things. So making as much cis engagement as possible um, and really involving people in the decision-making process part. Because as an advocate, I've really felt like at times um, citizen input is almost looked at as more of a, uh, as a speed bump by uh, some of the people in our county, manage, our, count, our county manager and our county government. And I want to really change that. Instead, I see them as being like an asset and why we could actually be doing things a lot better. Um, so that's something I'm really excited about. And I mean, yeah, I mean, fair free buses. Hey, you can't get better than that. That's going to be fantastic. And, and over here in district five in my district, getting the bus system just to run more over here. It used to uh, Whitehead road, a road very close to me. That is like a connecting road for a lot of neighborhoods and communities. A lot of uh, communities that are young families. Uh, that bus hasn't ridden run through here since 2004. So like bringing that back over here, um, connecting that bus line, public transit to every school and park because I feel like our schools and parks must be accessible to everyone, not just people who have cars. You know, we talk about how important it is to have uh, parental engagement with the schools and their students and their teachers. What about the, the parents who don't have a car or a one car family and have difficulty getting over here at seven o'clock at night for a meeting? You know, let's make sure the bus is actually running and giving them the opportunity first. Um, and in that kind of way, I really feel like I see public transit as being this larger thing than what people usually see it as. Um, yeah, so that's that's a couple of the interesting, I think, unique ideas. Yeah, and to personally indulge my like uh, dream statewide project, why why are people not talking about the brain train anymore? I know, I know. I mean, so it, yeah, we need. And to- again, as always, the brain train is the train that we connect Athens to Emory and Atlanta and Martyr overall. So that's, it. that's my plug for the brain train. Why is this not being talked about? And we have a multimodal. You know, station downtown, multimodal, multiple modes of transportation. Right now, there's one mode. You yeah. know, there's railroad tracks that run right behind it. Right. That could be utilized at some point. Yes. But of course, to get that done, we need funding and support from the state government. And that's something else I'm going to bring to this, too. You know, I've been an advocate on the state level for policies that are going to help people here in Athens. I will continue doing that as a commissioner. And one of the things I will continue to push for is have operational funding for public transit. The state gives funding for capital purchases. On you know, We can buy a bus. The state gives right. us money for that. It does not give us money to pay a bus driver to drive that bus. And that is a huge problem. We can buy, we can get all these grants and buy all these buses, but we can't pay the drivers to actually drive it. Um, we are the most populous state that does not offer operational funding for public transit. Uh, we have a huge population. There's absolutely no excuse for it. So that's something we have to get done to. That's some, we can end with some wonkiness there. Yes. So. The uh, the one final policy question I would have, we're uh, tomorrow going to talk on the show about a bad immigration bill in the Senate. Um, I guess this will probably have aired by the time that, uh, that this episode comes out. But, but are there any uh, moves in a positive direction on immigration that you think the, the council could take on at a local level amidst all of the bad immigration stuff going on at the state level? Yeah, there's a big one. And one of the first things that I would be working on uh, alongside, I think, a lot of the, the progressive majority, if we have it, 
is putting pressure on the Clark County Sheriff's Department to stop cooperating with ICE and honoring ICE detainers. Um, it's a huge issue. Basically, our county government had uh, quietly not been cooperating with ICE and not uh, honoring I- ICE detainers, mainly because it, it puts us at risk of lawsuit ourselves because they're not constitutional, and it's been found that in many courts. And so... Our county government was not honoring them, and our sheriff's department was not honoring them. And that's how we thought things were and had been for years now, about three years. Well, we found out in November that over the summer, this past summer, the Clark County Sheriff's Department quietly changed their policy without telling anybody, without even telling the mayor commission, the commissioners did not know this was even happening. And they had started to honor ICE detainers and were actually contacting ICE and deporting people uh, through the jail. And uh, so we've been working, Athens everyone's been working, the Athens Immigrant Rights Coalition, uh, Dignidad Immigrante, um, and so I've been working with these other organizations to try to put pressure on uh, Sheriff Edwards, Ira Edwards, to stop cooperating. And uh, we're trying to get the mayor commission to take a firm stance against this cooperation. The sheriff does not have to do what the commission says, but that's definitely a, a very... Um, a very tragic thing that's happening now that we could actually be doing something about that would be help, helping the immigration situation here. Because, of course, what it does is, you know, the, the sheriff says, well, this is for safety and this makes our community more safe by doing these kind of things. In reality, what it does is it creates a lot of fear in these communities where undocking people live. And instead, they stop cooperating with our law enforcement. Uh, they run and hide from law enforcement. Instead, if a crime does happen, they don't report it. Uh, it actually puts our community at more jeopardy. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it hurts our whole community, and hopefully uh, Sheriff Edwards is soon going to see the light of day. But if not, uh, that progressive majority in, 2000, uh, in 2019 will definitely be taking some action on that. Hey, listeners, just jumping in with a quick editor's note from the future. Uh, Luke, Tim, and I had this discussion in early March, and since... Uh, this discussion on this policy by the Clark County Sheriff, the Sheriff's Office actually came out and said that they would no longer detain undocumented immigrants on uh, these ICE detainers uh, unless these detainers were accompanied by some kind of a judicial warrant. So, you know, Tim and other activists that have been working on this issue, they're already accomplishing things before they even get into the commission. So with that, I will uh, bring you guys back to the conversation. And so usually how we wrap up the show, and I forgot to warn you about it, um, which Kyle will get on to me for, is that we uh, flip the table and have you ask us a question. And you've already asked us a couple questions, yeah. so uh, it shouldn't be too hard, but just, I guess, one for one for one for for each of us, and just what would you like to know? Okay, sure. Oh, man, yeah, this is good. This is good. Um, all right, Luke, I'll go to you first. Okay. I'll say... What is all right? So we, so I've yeah, I've known you now for yeah, too long, about, about four years now and stuff. Yeah, at least, and we've been going through, uh, I would say, Democrat uh, political circles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask you, what what is a policy change that you've reconsidered uh, your own personal belief in, moved to the left on mm. over those last four years? Ooh, that's hard. So. I'll preface that by saying I think a lot of people misunderstand my political positions because I generally just don't like anything that's too big. Okay. And so I live in an era where business is too big. 
And so I see government as a way to use the like legal sword to just like beat that to a pulp to try to get it smaller. And on that front, I think a lot of things that people would think I would not support, I actually do. So like, for example, like I think one of the biggest flaws that Obama had is that he didn't arrest anyone on Wall Street. Mm. And like, I don't think a lot of people would say that that would be a thought that I hold, but it's just like the fact that the financial regulation and banking did not actually get punished for what they did. (laughs) Right. It is a big thing that I've, I've had trouble um, with. So I think probably, I think this is not a unique thing for anyone in the South is probably, and especially being, I, I, I guess I'm trying to find the proper way to articulate it, but so like being from South Georgia, I saw racism constantly, like, and it was very obvious. Mm-hmm. And so I think what the biggest change that I've gone through in this period is that like, I've realized that uh, racism is a lot more insidious than I previously thought, and that a lot of people that think they've like done all they need to do right. on that front, both like internally and externally, yeah. have not. And so that like places like Athens can be in some ways more racist than places like Camden County because like Camden County is like explicitly racist, mm-hmm. whereas you know like people are like. I, you know, like I, you know, people are having trouble succeeding because they are being actively discriminated against in a very right. obvious way. Right. Whereas in the, in that's a lot easier to fight. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in Athens, like there are things, the institutional racism right. is so much more strong and insidious. So I think on that front, um, I've moved to the left on realizing just how much needs to be done on that. And I guess, you know, uh, anyone that knows me knows that Lyndon Johnson is my favorite president because <laughs> I think, unlike I think, unlike any president we've seen since him, he understood that the law and the government could be used to fight discrimination and poverty mm-hmm. and things in a very active way, right. and that if you build structures in the proper way, that they can really succeed. Because I mean, just like the Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act, yeah. really like change things and mm-hmm. so i think the same way like you have to have that transformative thinking towards a lot of these issues and that i think that is a place where i have realized that a lot more needs to get done especially in the places where they think they've done all they need to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah no that's, that's that's yeah that's really and actually the stack on that a question we at the beginning about right. what do what do I feel like is one of the reasons that the commission's not like addressing some of those bigger issues like mm-hmm. racial inequality and racial discrimination is I think that a lot of our commission will not admit to the fact that there is like the existence of institutional and systemic racism existing here. Right. That it only exists in this like the racism you see in the movies kind of thing. Right. And I, I feel like there's not an engagement and an acknowledgement of it existing on all these small little tiny ways that build up to this. Yeah. Huge... Cause like the example I'm using Athens, Clark County <laughs> to get really, really deep is that like when I moved here, I remember like Peter street being a place that like mm. Athens community people that have been here for years and years and years yeah, living. Really and that in the time that I've been here since, since 2011, many of those folks have been pushed out for various reasons and it just seems like slowly but surely that like all the local poor both white and black but mostly you know minority community is getting pushed further and further away from athens and eventually 
if there isn't change and like a very and this is where my change has come right. instead of like passive like oh we need to do something about mm-hmm. this rather than like we need to do this specific thing about this yeah. because um if not like we're you know in like 10 years or less like those minority communities will no longer be inside the loop they will be yeah. pushed completely outside of the loop yeah. which then causes way more problems with trying to help them get elevated out of poverty, try to help them have access to mm-hmm. jobs and, you know, food mm-hmm. desert problems. Like, all the problems start to get worse yeah. the more they're pushed out of Athens, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. And so I think that's that's a great illustration of how uh, my view on that has changed. That's, that's awesome. Okay, all right. So, Kyle, uh, you inspired me with some of your comments earlier um, about uncompromising on values so and this one might be a little tough so hopefully there's something there for you so i would say what is what is uh what is the a thing that you personally would not compromise on that you feel like is uh i guess like the least obvious like what is one of those values and compromise things that you really feel you hold sacred and you would not move on but maybe it's not one of the super obvious ones like Medicaid expansion or something like that. I I think that you yes. What's what's one that you feel like you get flack from from uh, from Luke on? So. <laughs> I don't. I was thinking earlier. I was like I started uh, like the end of the Obama administration and and into the Trump administration as like sort of the centrist establishment Democrat. And I'm pretty sure that something Donald Trump does is eventually going to drag me out to a Democratic Socialist meeting. Um. I think the thing that I've kind of like grown into that's something that's kind of become uncompromising for me is the issue of immigration. I was actually thinking about this this morning. It's the one thing that the compassionate and humane position actually requires absolutely nothing of government. It doesn't require any government spending to allow somebody Hmm who's a refugee or somebody who wants to come to the United States for economic opportunity or to start a new life or experience a new culture, it requires us to do nothing except allow them to be here. And, you know, when it comes to healthcare and education and all of these things, it's, it's about spending and there's negotiations about what the right level of spending is. And, um, you know, I think on all those things we spend too little, but, we certainly can't spend an unlimited amount on those things or, or or to the extent that we have to honor our balanced budget requirement as a state, we have to allocate between all of those priorities and we don't have to do that for immigration. We just have to mm. be welcoming as a community um, and, and just allow them to be here. And, and then, and, and what I've learned looking into this more is that, you know, we grow economically, our culture grows, um, our economy is helped by having a younger workforce uh, because immigrants tend to be younger on average than the population that we have. I mean, there's all these sort of like little nuts and bolts, wonky policy benefits that come from it. Uh, but it, it stands out to me that it requires nothing of us other than compassion to, to get it done. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've gone on for way too long. Yeah, if anyone's that's... still here. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> How's, how's your run? 
How's your walk? Your drive? I'm impressed that you're still running. I'm not surprised if you're still trying to get your commute done, but if you're still running at this point, then uh, I'll power to you. How long yeah. does it take you to run a marathon? Like, how I don't know. Two hours is probably not a good time, right? No, probably not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that is all for uh, this uh, episode of Peach Pod. So thank you for sticking with us and uh, we'll, we'll be back in your ears soon. Bye, guys. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, share the show with a friend and go over to iTunes and give us a rating or a review. It really helps other people find our show. We'll be back with another episode of Peach Pod next week. Until then, take care, y'all.